so long Gotta get a little light inside Welcome to another episode of Big Girl Panties. This is Jennifer Ho. A friend texted me yesterday. I realized that I've been waiting to get my business going, not knowing where to start or what to do. Then I remembered that you have your own businesses, so I thought I'd reach out. I replied, Call me. I love these messages. To me, it sounds like someone is uncomfortable with the way things are and they're willing to jump into what they want. And we quickly got on a phone call to chat about all of the possibilities and next steps. She ended the call more excited than when she got on, with ideas swirling in her head, with a knowing it was absolutely doable. I couldn't help but to feel as excited as she was in her choice to make a move. I also understood what she was trading up for. Most major shifts that I've had started with being uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that sometimes my stubborn ass needed it to get painful enough that I had to make a move. Situation pain is like a corset. It's fine for a bit when you first put it on. But then as you pull the strings tighter and tighter, the more unbearable it becomes. And the longer you wear it, the closer you are to passing out. I wouldn't have enough money to buy a car, take care of my kids, or sometimes even eat. So it was uncomfortable and I would get creative. I wouldn't like my job making it uncomfortable for me to be there day in and day out, so I would get an education or train myself in something that I did like to do. My boyfriend would lie consistently and refuse to show up in the relationship. It got really uncomfortable, and we would break up. Whatever it was, it always started from the place of being uncomfortable. Back at the beginning of my prior marriage, right after our son Nir was born, I was working as a startup business consultant making decent enough money. I loved what I was doing and the clients I had. My then-husband was working as a talk radio producer at a major network here in New York, making shit money, and hated his boss, who loved to tell him that there were thousands of people right behind him waiting for his job. Those comments were not really conducive to creating a productive working environment. Every day, he would come home and complain about this and that at the office. He was painfully uncomfortable, which made me uncomfortable, and the environment at home uncomfortable. One day after hearing it, I lost it. Then quit your job already! The thought had been brewing, and now it was out. Like a popped bottle of champagne, never to be corked again, I spewed. Quit your job! I'm tired of hearing about it every single day. Listen, let's just get into podcasting. You've been wanting something different anyway, which you'll never achieve at this company. In the meantime, to save money, you can stay home with Nier and let's just do this already. If he quit his job, I would be making barely enough to keep the roof over our head, food in our mouths, and what the hell is savings? But we were so uncomfortable that I was willing to do anything it took to not see the pain it was causing him. Podcasting was still better known as internet radio at this point. It was 2009. All we knew was that it was a new way to consume information. It was like talk radio, and that was something that my husband understood in his sleep. 
I had my background in marketing and business startup, so I loved the risks and I knew how to get us and keep us going as a business. Looking back now, I can confess I was comfortably uncomfortable in my own job. I loved it and the clients, but I wanted something more. I wanted my own business. I had been making hundreds of thousands for others, but I had a fear around doing it myself. That thought in those daydreams lived right underneath the surface of my daily life. I never spoke about it though, so it didn't really exist, or so I would say to myself. This podcasting thing was a good opportunity to take care of the multiple uncomfortables in my life. The husband bitching, the daydreams in my head that I made every excuse for. Not only was I listening to him complain daily, I also had the secret looping record of my own. Little did I know this would be one of the many beautiful lessons I would learn on this path of starting a business. Choice and taking action is a powerful tool in quelling victimhood. First stop, what do we call the company? My husband had an infatuation with planes, so Hangar Studios was what he chose as a name and I agreed. I wasn't attached to a name. I was more interested in keeping an apartment to live in. I worked all day, sometimes pulling 12 hours or more, came home to my infant and his five-year-old brother Aiden, cooked dinner, and then got to work creating the first website, logo, services and fees lists, all the fun stuff of a startup, all the while pumping breast milk for the baby the next day. Then I would scour the internet for Amazon best-selling indie authors, companies that were highlighted in the recent months in Entrepreneur Magazine, Life and business coaches, really anyone who had something to say that others would want to hear on a podcast. After finding their contact information, I would pick up the phone and call them. The industry was so new that I had spent most of the time answering the question, what is a podcast? Then I spent actually pitching them on our services. Countless hours of research, cold calling, and refining my pitch and all I needed was just one yes. This would be lesson two. Commitment and tenacity will get you everywhere. Excuses will keep you stuck. We also needed a studio of which we had no money to put into equipment or rent. One of my friends needed to make several copies of her meditation CDs in a couple of days for her upcoming business event. So I helped her find a duplication house with a quick turnaround time. I called a little place in Midtown Manhattan, and after talking with the owner on the other end for a bit about what our vision was for Hangar Studios, she had told me that she had a studio set up in her business. We had a formal meeting, worked out a deal, and had our first studio space without laying a dime into it, and zero overhead. It was like winning the lottery in exactly the partnership we needed. All I needed to do was open my mouth and share my vision. It was really that easy. Lesson three, look to create win-wins everywhere you can. And lesson four, share your vision and build relationships with everyone. If you're just selling yourself, it's a one-sided conversation and you might as well be speaking to the wall. The bills were piling up. The rent was so overdue, we got eviction notices. I didn't have time to think about the time I didn't have. 
With two days before we would be kicked out, we called a friend and asked him to loan us $5,000 so we could stay in our apartment. To us, that was a fortune. It was humbling, embarrassing, and I was ashamed as a parent of not being able to provide for the four mouths I had to feed. Lesson five, ask for support. Most people are actually happy to give it. It makes them feel good. My husband started getting a client here and there who came to us from the radio world. The start was small and trickling in. Our families would ask us what we were doing and tell us lovingly, and sometimes not so lovingly, that we should just get stable jobs. As with every entrepreneurial story, we didn't listen and we kept trucking. Lesson six, you don't need permission from anyone but yourself. After our website was up and the startup phase was in place, I focused on getting more work to cover our expenses and to keep the eviction notices away. We had asked for help from my husband's parents to keep us afloat, even though they didn't quite understand our dream. There was nothing pretty about this time. I mean nothing. It was raw, messy, and at most times fucking scary. And I was on a constant roller coaster of emotions, but not once did the thought come that it wasn't going to happen. It was just a matter of when. The clients continued to trickle, and we continued to bite our nails. Over the next five years, we had enough clients to keep the lights on and build our brand through word of mouth. We never had the budget to advertise. Most of our roster consisted of outliers like ourselves that were looking to take the same risks in a new industry. Then the most incredible moment happened on December 21st, 2014 on my sofa. That night we were watching Saturday Night Live and a skit came on about a little podcast called Serial. You might have heard about it. My eyes widened as I watched and every cell in my body knew that podcasting had finally become a reality to the mainstream. This skit meant that the world podcast was going to hit a tipping point and we were in the the perfect position to take it on. I'm Sarah Koenig. (laughs) On December 25th, 1999, a small boy awoke in Baltimore, Maryland. He went down to his living room and found a Nerf N-Strike Mega Magnus Blaster. It's a mouthful, I know. Because we were willing to be uncomfortable in our risky move of being one of the first podcast production companies, our name was first on Google searches. The call soon flooded in. It started with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and your neighbors next door who just wanted to smoke up, watch movies, and crack jokes. It then moved to small brands and over a couple of years, lawyers, congressmen, Fortune 500 companies, TV and radio networks, and the most red-taped industries. As our client roster grew, so did the workload and the need to stay on top of everything. The relationship that we had with our clients became a priority to me. It wasn't enough just to get them in the door. We needed to keep them. And the best way to do that is to continue serving and to stay in integrity. It looked like this. Emails would come in and I would write back immediately. Even if I didn't have the answer then, I would let them know when I would have one. If I didn't have the answer and I couldn't find one, I would let them know that I don't know. 
I would tell them the time when they could expect deliverables, or if there was a mistake on our end, I would honor it. Lesson 7. Integrity is one of the most valuable assets. When you say X, do X. Trust, just like in all relationships, matters. These are just a few of the lessons that I learned along the way, and I'm learning new ones every single day. I remember when I would listen to interviews as successful business owners. They would talk about when they started in a garage or a basement and it was just them in a dream. Yeah, right. Maybe for them that's possible, but not for me. I don't have what they had. Or they were one of the lucky ones or whatever else I would say. You can fill in the blank here for yourself as I'm sure you have your own favorite go-to negative self-talk. These were just great stories meant to inspire people, but they were just stories. Thanks for the momentary entertainment. After being on another chapter of my own story, I can actually look at this differently now. It isn't luck, having enough money, time, or resources, and it isn't about having special powers. It is about having the cojones to do whatever it takes to get you there through grit, sweat, and tears. It is long hours, no sleep, not knowing how the bills are getting paid, saying fuck you to your excuses, and doing what it is you said you would do. It's doing the damn thing in spite of others' permission, your internal conversations of lack and eviction notices. This is what ultimately got the business to go from zero to seven figures. So when you say to yourself that you can't do it because of whatever reason or excuse you're giving yourself a backdoor to escape... You think that you're running from discomfort, but really, you're running back to it. Listen to me when I say, at this moment right now, you are already uncomfortable. You see, I too was comfortably uncomfortable. So much so, I would have spent my life being that way. I was uncomfortable with not having my own business. I was uncomfortable with living paycheck to paycheck. I was uncomfortable listening to my husband and his discomfort. I was uncomfortable making other people money. I was uncomfortable that I was uncomfortable. In the end, I merely traded one pain for another. So the question becomes, which pain can you live with and which one has the outcome you truly want? When the pain is bad enough, that's where the magic happens. That's where you see what you're made of, and at some point, what you do at that moment will inform you for the rest of your life. As always, I encourage you to get out there, put on your big girl panties, and connect with your world. And if you'd like to connect with us or see any corresponding documents pertaining to this episode, please visit us on Facebook. Till next time, this is Jennifer Ho. Jennifer Ho